Hey, can, can we give it up for Jesus, y'all? Isn't he awesome? He's amazing. Uh, if you're brand new here, uh, in just a little bit, you're going to see everybody stand in the room. Not yet. Just hold on. But uh, we believe in preaching the Bible here, that the most important thing you will hear all day isn't what we have to say, but what God's word is going to speak to us. And uh, we're in a series right now called The Jesus Way. So we're going through the Gospel of Mark, and we just want to look at Jesus because we know his way is the truth, the life. His way is the only way, and we want to be like him in his way. And so that's why we're doing this series. Uh, Pastor Greg preached last week, and uh, he preached in Mark chapter 10, talking about this new way to live. Uh, He brought us through the Sermon on the Mount and the things that God blesses, the ways that he has for us to walk in. I'm going to finish out Mark chapter 10 in the last uh, couple verses here. So uh, you can stand with us. We're going to open up to Mark chapter 10 as we read uh, from our text this morning. It's Mark chapter 10, verse 46 through 52. As you're getting there, as you're opening your Bible, as Pastor Greg mentioned, we travel and preach across the United States of America this last month. I preached uh, in three weeks straight in Arizona. We were in Flagstaff, Sedona, Tucson, Tempe, uh, Phoenix, Fla- uh, Scottsdale, Gilbert. Some of you are like, just stop. I don't know any of these places, okay? It's all right. Uh, I have to share something really cool that happened, though. Uh, in our three weeks of ministry in Arizona, we flew to Iowa for a youth conference with about 800 teenagers, and I was getting ready to go up to preach, and this youth pastor, he whispers in my ear, he says, uh, Micah, just a heads up, uh, there's a girl who's walked in, we haven't seen her in our church in years, uh, he goes, uh, she's a Satanist, and so we're just giving you a heads up, we don't know what's going to happen, <laughs> uh, just letting you know, I said, cool man, no worries, and uh, when I was getting towards the end of my message, um, I just gave an opportunity for someone, anyone that wanted to respond and give their life to Jesus. And I watched this girl who's a Satanist get up and literally run to the front. She denounced Satan, gave her life to Jesus uh, just a couple weeks ago. And so, so awesome. And uh, I, I share that because you don't always get to see what my wife and I, what we get to experience. And you as a church, you support us, you send us, and you pray for us. And so thank you uh, for doing that. Uh, we're going to start off in our text today, starting in verse 46. This is what it says. It says, then they came to Jericho. Who's they? Jesus and the disciples, okay? They came to Jericho. There's a large crowd there. It says, as Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him. Cell phones were going off. All these things were going crazy. And he told them to be quiet. They were telling this blind guy, stop it. You're disrupting everything. Just be quiet. And the blind man shouted all the more when he said, Son of David, have mercy on me. By the way, if your cell phone went off, just know we really love you a lot. And it's okay. It happens to all of us. Some of you are like, that is a rude preacher. No, I was just trying to have fun. Really, that's it. Truly, I'm just trying to have fun. It happens to all of us. This is the best part of this whole text. In verse 49. It says Jesus stopped. Remember, Jesus was on his way. He was leaving the city. 
And then he heard someone cry out, and it says, Jesus. He stopped, and he said, call him. So they called to the blind man, cheer up. Get on your feet. He's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet, came to Jesus, and Jesus asked him a question that changed everything. What do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus. Your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. The title of my message this morning is Jesus Stopped. What if he didn't? But he did. Jesus, I'm so grateful that you stopped for a blind man 2,000 years ago as an example of who you love to stop for. God, I thank you that every person in the room, you were willing to stop for them, to call out to them. And God, today, would you do what only you can do in our hearts? Thank you for stopping. In Jesus' name, amen. You can have a seat. Jesus stopped. Anybody been about their day and something happens in your day and it just gets you to stop? And you're like, what? What in the? What was that? You know what I'm saying? You just maybe you're at work and you hear this coworker talking and you're like, what the? What? what? It just gets you, it gets you to stop. It gets you to stop. The other day I was playing Uno with my little girl. She's five. If you don't know what Uno is, it's the Spanish word for one. It's a card game. It's really fun. Highly recommend it. Great for children, all ages. You'll love it. And uh, I love playing Uno with my little girl. And the reason is, is because it's time to connect with her. It's time to interact with her. But here's why I don't like it so much anymore. She beats me a lot. And then she loves to let me know that she wins all the time. Dad, I just keep winning. I know, honey. I know it. She's five. Dad, this is so much fun. She loves to run her little mouth, letting her grown dad know. Sounds like her dad, doesn't it? Doesn't know when to stop talking. Just keeps running his mouth. And so one time, we're playing Uno, and uh, I just look at my daughter halfway through because she's putting the beat down on me again. I just said, Everly, why do you keep winning? You're just so good at this game. And she looks at me, so serious, Dad. God is with me. <laughs> it just, just kind of made me stop for a second. Didn't expect that one to come out. And then I was thinking, yeah, he is with you. But wait a second. That means he's not with me. Because I'm losing and you're winning. We have these moments in life that literally it just gets us sometimes, just, it just stops us in our tracks. It gets us thinking. I remember one particular instance, this was very awkward, super awkward, okay? Uh, I was at a gym. I go to the gym four to five days a week. I enjoy it, okay? It's fun. I enjoy it for multiple reasons. I love de-stressing. I love just being active, but I also love people watching, okay? There's some funny, interesting fellows at the gym. You got the screamer guy, the guy who's super loud, wants everyone to know how big he is at the gym, just loud forever. He's chucking weights everywhere, okay? You got that guy. You got the overly sweaty guy who never cleans his spot and just drips sweat all over the bench and just goes on like no one cares. Then you got the selfie high school boy guy who's in the mirror taking selfies of himself, sending it all over his Insta stories. You got all kinds of people. Well, this one, 
This one time, I have never, never, <laughs> ever seen this before in my life. Truly, never seen it. Been going to the gym for years. Never saw this one. There was a lady, 55, must have been 55. Just a 55-year-old lady just decided to stop and stare at me while, while I'm working out. Just straight up stops and stares. And it, you're, you're thinking, oh, you know, she must have thought, oh, this cute little guy. No, it wasn't like that, okay? It wasn't like that. So I'm on this machine, okay? It's like a flexor machine. Not going to go into details, all right? But I brought a picture, okay? Because it was so awkward, all right? So here I am sitting in the machine, okay? I'm sitting in, <laughs> I'm sitting in this machine. This lady's just staring at me. And if you, if you look hard enough, you'll see she has a nice, a nice high sock game going on. <laughs> Just rocking the high socks from the 70s, feeling good about herself. She's got her little scratch paper for her workout plan, sitting down in front of her with the pen, and she's staring at me. And I say, can I help you? She goes, um, normal question. She go, well, not normal how she asks it. She goes, when are you done? I... Usually, okay, if you want to use a machine, this is how you do it. Say, um, how, how many more sets you got left? Are you close to being there? Oh, I, you know, I got three, four more. Oh, hey, no problem. Gym etiquette is, use, they're using it first. Gym etiquette is, hey, no problem. You, I'm just going to go get a drink of water over here and maybe check my phone while I'm waiting. You, 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 you don't stand in front of the person, okay? So I look at this lady and I say, ma'am, I got three more sets. Three more sets. That is three separate lifts at this machine. Most people, 99.999% of the time, of people that have asked me that question, they just walk away. Yeah, no problem, man, anytime, no problem. This lady stops, and she's staring at me for all three sets. <laughs> all three sets. And I'm just like, I've never seen this in my life. I got to snap a picture to remember this one. And I'm just thinking... She, she wanted to like strike up a conversation, like, hey, how you doing? How was your lunch break? What, do you, what are you going on? Like, I don't, I've never in my life ever seen this before. And I think sometimes in life, we have these moments that just things happen and it just gets you to stop. It just gets you to maybe take your breath away or just kind of makes you stop. And I think of one particular time in general, a moment that literally made me stop that I'll never forget. I was driving down Highway 13, summer night, about 70 degrees, 6 o'clock at night, the smell of barbecue grills, grilling some meat, driving down Highway 13. I'm making some of you hungry right now. Warm summer night, got the windows down, feeling good, got the windows down, not because, you know, feels good, but because I don't have air conditioning in my car, so I just need to stay cool. And uh, something, though, I see something that catches my eye. And as I'm driving down Highway 13, I'm driving by Burnsville High School that's on the right. And at the practice field, the Burnsville High School practice football field, I see this random guy, middle-aged guy, has a big instrument in his hand. I was like, okay, hold on a second. I need to turn around and go back. I need to see what this is. And when I pull out, I uh, see one of the most beautiful things in the world. Sun is setting in the background, and there's this guy who's playing Amazing Grace in the middle of the football field to a bagpipe. And immediately, it makes me think of my dad. 
Because growing up, one of the things my dad and I loved and we shared in common is we shared our, our Irish heritage. We shared a love for the bagpipe. And uh, immediately, it made me think of my dad. It was one of those moments that just got me to stop whatever I was doing and take in the moment. So I call my dad. I hold my phone off the window. I go, Dad. It was a voicemail. didn't pick up. I go, Dad, you're not going to believe it. I said, I'm, I'm, I'm driving by the sun setting, and I hear this guy playing Amazing Grace. Dad, listen to this. And I hold out my phone, and you can hear the bagpipe roaring to this beautiful song. And I say, hey, Dad, I just want you to know I'm thinking of you today. I just knew you'd love to probably share this moment. I just want you to know I love you so much, Dad. When I hung up the phone, little did I know that those would be the very last and final words I ever spoke to my dad. Because the very next day, my dad would pass away from a motorcycle accident. And sometimes when we go through life, we have those moments where everything stops. I think about the first time I ever saw my two kids born and I held my children for the very first time. It was like life stopped. Nothing else mattered. Seeing my wife in labor and then now holding my child, it's like life just stopped. I think of times where we're adults and we're sitting in a room and a one-year-old is crawling around in the middle of the room. It's, it has a way of getting people to stop and just kind of watch this one-year-old. All eyes are gazing at this one-year-old. I think about moments of grief where someone passes and it seems like everybody stops and they're in the room and they're crying together or weeping together. I think about moments where a spouse finds out another spouse is cheating. It just is all things sort of just kind of stop. It's possible to spend our whole life never stopping for the things or for the people that Jesus stopped for. To completely miss out on who, why, where he stopped. I preach all kinds of message all over the U.S. about how God is on the move, and he is. The gospel's advancing. However, when was the last time we actually stopped and studied when Jesus stopped? Because if Jesus is stopping for certain people and certain things, that speaks just as loud as for where he went and the ways he took. That's right. And so today I want to lead us to a precursor text to kind of help set up the framework of where I'm bringing you today. Jesus has this powerful moment when he's starting his ministry. Rabbis, when they would teach, they, wouldn't, they would usually sit down and they would teach their disciples. In this particular instance, in Luke chapter 4, Jesus stands up to read from the scroll of Isaiah. This was normal for a rabbi to preach from a law or preach from a prophet. And in starting in verse 18, this is powerful, a powerful moment. It says, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind. There it is. To set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. In other words, Jesus says this right here, this is going to be the marker of everything you see me do. This is who you're going to see me go to. This is who you're going to see me stop for. Everything that I just said in Isaiah, it's going to be fulfilled right here in your midst. And Jesus does the greatest mic drop of all time. Everyone's gazed on him. Everyone is, is fixated on his eyes. And then in verse 21, he began by saying to them, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And from that moment on, when Jesus said that, he began to walk and stop, walk and stop, 
walk and stop. And time and time again, when we look at why Jesus stopped and who he stopped for, we can't help but get a glimpse of who he is and the fulfillment of what it meant when he said in Isaiah, this is what he's anointed me to do. And so today, I want us to look at it a God who stops. It's why I've given the title, Jesus Stopped. Number one, if you're taking notes, you see what Jesus stopped for. But number one, Jesus stopped for honest heart cries. He always stopped for honest heart cries. In this particular story, there's a blind man, Bartimaeus, who is sitting by the roadside begging. Y'all, this has been his life. He knows how to beg. There's nothing else different that he knows. To be a blind man meant that you were judged by God. It was God's divine judgment showing up in your life. Where do we see this? But another time when Jesus encounters a blind man, the disciples ask him, who sinned, him or his parents? In other words, blindness was associated for doing something bad with your life. Divine judgment was now on your life. All this man would ever know is what it meant to beg. But here's the deal. This man begins to cry out and shout with a loud voice, Jesus. Jesus, an honest heart cry, son of David. The only time you see it in the gospel of Mark is right here. This title, son of David, it represented savior. It represented Messiah. In other words, this blind man, Bartimaeus, he knew who he was crying out to. He was crying out to one who would stop, one who would give sight to the blind, one who'd set the captive free. And he's crying out and shouting. And then in the middle of his cries, he's got people telling him to stop. You know what I've noticed about honest heart cries is number one, they're really ugly. They're really ugly. They don't sound good. They're coming from a place of desperation. How many of you know when your heart is crying out, it doesn't sound necessarily how you want it to sound because it's coming deep from within. Number two, an honest heart cry doesn't care what other people think. It doesn't matter what other people think of you. You're so moved, you're so desperate. You don't care who hears it. You don't care if a whole world's telling you to be quiet. And this honest heart cry is crying out for Jesus to show up. People are telling them to stop and be quiet. Number three, you don't care how it sounds coming out. You don't care about the articulation of it. Y'all, God doesn't want our long and flawless prayers. He wants our awkward, short, honest heart cries. He wants us to be honest with him through the heart cries of our heart. That's all he wants. And every single time, he stops for honest heart cries. And what he stopped for is what we need to pay attention to. Jesus stopped for a woman at a well who was thirsty. She didn't realize that who she would meet was Jesus the Messiah. You see, the first time Jesus ever says he's the savior of the world isn't to a large crowd in Jericho. He shares it with one woman at a well who he stopped for, a woman who was ashamed of what she's done, who's had more than five husbands. This is who Jesus stopped for. What about the woman that Jesus stopped who was caught in adultery? She was caught in the very act of sleeping with another man. She gets thrown in front of Jesus. And Jesus stops teaching the crowd because in that moment, it didn't matter the content that was coming out of his mouth for a crowd of people. In that moment is that he would stop for a young woman who was caught in her worst moment, her worst sin, her worst shame. And Jesus shows you and I that he was willing to stop for her who was worthy of death. And he knew full well every single person in that audience who had a rock was guilty too. And so he stops and becomes an advocate. 
You see Jesus stop all over scripture. What about the time where he stops for a father who's desperate because he just lost his little girl who's dying and she knows he's going to die and Jesus stops for her. His name's Jairus. He was a synagogue leader. He would have had some money. He would have had the keys to the temple. His best friends would have been the Pharisees or the religious leaders. At this moment, you find Jairus at the feet of Jesus. A Jew would never bow unless it's God. This Jew named Jairus doesn't care what his Pharisee friends think, doesn't care if he loses his job title or the keys. Jairus throws himself because it's an honest heart cry from a father for his daughter. Jesus stops for him. What about a woman with a blood issue? She doesn't use her tone of voice. She doesn't use her volume. Some of us think we need to be loud for Jesus. Some of us could be mute and he still responds to the honest heart cry. It was a woman with blood issue who stopped touched Jesus. She didn't say one sound, but Jesus knew he touched her. Jesus looks at the heart. Man looks at the outward appearance. Jesus looks at the heart cry and the honest heart cry, and he always stops for you. And then I think about two sisters who lost their brother at a young age, where all they can do is weep. And then you see Jesus come for a family that's broken, a family that's grieving, And what does Jesus do? He stops his whole ministry just to cry with those who are crying. He begins weeping with those who are weeping. Are you starting to see who Jesus is? Are you starting to see who he came for? The fulfillment of when he said, I am anointed by God to preach to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted, to set the captive free. I came to give the sight to the blind. I came to declare the year of the Lord's favor. Don't you see the fulfillment that it wasn't just a sermon preached, that this is who we was? I'll never forget the day when my dad passed away in a motorcycle accident and my sisters were still at the hospital. I went down to my bedroom. I left the hospital early and I just slammed my fist in the bed, screaming, yelling, the honest I've ever been the deepest cry I've ever had. And it was in that moment in my honesty where Jesus walked in the room, put his arms around me, and began to weep with me too. Jesus always stops for honest heart cries. He doesn't look for your perfect prayers. He looks for your honest confession. And he'll always stop for you every single time. Number two, Jesus stops and he serves and he heals. He serves, and he heals. You notice in the text, it says Jesus stopped, and he said, call him. The blind man throws aside his cloak, comes to him, and then in verse 51, Jesus asks a question. What do you want me to do for you? You realize this is not the first time he's asked this question. 12 verses earlier, whatever it is, he asked his disciples the same question, what do you want me to do for you? And the disciples say, I want influence, I want power, I want the best seats in your kingdom. He asked that question already. And then Jesus corrects them and responds to them. And in verse 43, Jesus responds to him, says, not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. Whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. This is what he's trying to say all along. Verse 45, for even the son of man, he's talking about himself, for even the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. And the very next word in the next verse is then. 
In other words, he just showed them who he was what, and remind them what his kingdom's all about. And then he didn't just tell them, he showed them by walking up to a blind man who stopped for, and he says to them, what do you want me to do for you? Do you realize a rabbi would never stop for a blind man? A rabbi would never give the blind man a time of day. Because blind men were being judged by God. They saw it as fulfillment of judgment coming to their life. This blind man's been a beggar. And Jesus stops his whole movement. He stops everything. For one blind man who literally can't do anything for him. He can't pay him. He can't do anything. He can't give Jesus more influence. But isn't that the gospel? That Jesus stopped for people, for the whole world that could never pay him anything, that could never be good enough. Why? Because our own righteousness is that of filthy rags. The only thing we could ever boast about isn't our job, isn't our job title. It ain't the paycheck. It's not even the bougie neighborhood we live or the trailer park we live in. The only thing we could ever boast about is the grace of Jesus showing up to a bunch of beggars like us. That he stopped and he postured himself as a servant by looking at a blind man saying, what do you want me to do for you? Rabbi, Jesus, I want to see. I want to see. In that moment, the final miracle of Jesus' ministry is a blind man that can see. The very first miracle Jesus ever did was at a wedding in Cana on the north part of Israel. The last miracle Jesus ever did was in Jericho, the southern part of Israel. Jesus bookended his ministry by fulfilling Luke chapter four through the whole place of Israel. And how did it all happen? Because Jesus stopped. And just how he stopped for a blind man who could do nothing in return. Jesus stops for every single one of you. He stops for every single one of you. When he hears his kid crying out, I can imagine the crowd, hey, shut up. Hey, be quiet. Don't you know the social cues? Don't you know this is an orderly society? Don't you know there's a rank here? No one cares about your voice. No one cares what you have to say. Shut up. And I can imagine this rabbi named Jesus walking on his way to Jerusalem where he would die on a cross. And then on his way, he hears one more of his kids crying out. He hears one more of his creation, his imago day. He hears one more child of his crying out. Hey, Jesus, stop. Son of David, have mercy on me. Stops everything. That's my baby over there. That's my kid. That's my son. I, call him over. Call him over. Son, what do you want me to do for you? I want to see. Jesus loves to stop. And he loves to serve. And he loves to heal. My eight-year-old sister, you can put up the picture. She was diagnosed with stage four cancer. The doctors gave her a 20% chance to live. She went through all the chemotherapy and all the radiation her little body could handle. 
It started with a six inch by eight inch tumor wrapped around her femur bone. The doctors had to, the doctors had to pull out all four quadriceps in her leg just to get the tumor out. She was supposed to stay in her bed. She was gonna be fitted for a body cast. She couldn't walk without it. There'd be no chance of her ever moving, ever the same again. And uh, she was in her bed, just at rest, and I heard her crying in her room. And I remember running to her bedroom because I thought she had fallen, maybe broken her leg. She was supposed to stay immobile. And when I walk in her room, she's crying. She goes, I go, why are you crying, Victoria? What's going on? Are you in pain? You need more pain medicine? Or do you need to be called a doctor? Are you okay? This eight-year-old girl of mine, my sister, she looks at me and she goes, Micah, I saw Jesus. I saw Jesus. I said, I'm looking around, I'm like, well, I don't really see Jesus, but okay. I go, well, what did he do? She goes, Micah, he walked in my room, was wearing a robe, wearing a crown. And when he came into my room, he knelt down by my bed. The posture of a servant, y'all the posture of one of humility who would still get down and wash your dirty feet, who would still go down and do things for you that you and I don't even deserve. But what did he do, Victoria? When he got down, he put his hand on my leg and he told me to get up and walk. I said, Victoria, um, you need a body cast, so don't get up and just stay in your room. We'll wait for the doctor to fit the cast. She's eight years old. She looks at me, she goes, Micah, I can get up and I can walk. And she gets up and walks across the room. I watched my eight-year-old sister do the impossible. Not only that, I literally watched cancer disappear in her body because Jesus healed her. The posture of Jesus is one of serving and one of healing. Do I understand why he heals some and why he doesn't others? I don't, but I do know one thing is he's a really amazing savior who will stop and either hold you through your loss and cry with you or provide a miracle that's beyond human explanation. You see, here's the point of this whole message. It's the big so what to this whole thing. It's this question that we need to ask ourselves today. Am I following Jesus or am I still holding on to the cloak? Because here's the deal. Do you notice in the text it says, throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. Here, this is why this is a big deal. This is what you need to understand. The most important possession for a blind man back in the day was his cloak. This was everything to him. This was his whole source of income. This is what kept him warm at night. This was his bed. Don't you remember? He's a homeless beggar. He has nowhere to sleep, nowhere to go. How would they make their living? But they would sit outside the city and they would have a cloak over their lap like this. And when someone would come by, they would say, does anybody have money? Can anybody get money? And when the money would hit the cloak, they would feel it. And they would quick cover up the cloak and cover their money that they got because this was how they survived. The most important thing to Bartimaeus' life was his cloak. This is when it gets so good, and this is when it gets so powerful. Is he noticing the text? It says he takes his cloak, he throws it to the side, he gets up, he runs to Jesus. Here's why this is so powerful: is because in this moment, his livelihood 
what provided for him, what was most important for him, did not compare to being in the presence of the Almighty. It didn't compare to being in the presence of Jesus who said, call him, come to me. The miracle wasn't when he was seeing after he was blind. The miracle was that he was leaving everything to go follow his Savior. It didn't matter if he got his miracle, whether he saw or not. He made up in his mind, my old life is going to be gone. My new life is going to be found. Jesus is who's saving me. Jesus is who's calling for me. Are you kidding me? Jesus, stop for me. Jesus is calling me. This holds no value anymore in my life. A blind man left his cloak. A woman at a well left her jar. A woman left her perfume cracked open all at the feet of Jesus. Don't you see the picture now? Once you understand how amazing God is, how great God is, what you held in your hand before no longer compares to his grace, his beauty, his wonder. Powerful. Come on. It's so powerful. You know what I love about this text? is this is in all three Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And Luke describes it in Luke 18 by saying this. It says that he left his cloak, and it says he followed Jesus, worshiping and praising Jesus. Y'all, he went from a straight-up beggar to a straight worshiper. And the fact that Mark gives him the name Bartimaeus, this is important because Jewish writers, they would often give names to people that had importance. The reason why this is important is more than likely Bartimaeus not only followed Jesus, worshiping him, followed him to the grave, followed him in his resurrection, followed him in the 120 people that were baptized in the Holy Spirit. Y'all, this man was marked by God. The gospel showed up and saved his life. When Jesus says, rise and go, your faith has made you well, it's the Greek word for sosos. In other words, Jesus was saying, rise and go, you are saved. This story is hope for all of humanity. This story is hope for the destructions we see in our world. This story is hopeful for the corrupt people, the corrupt leaders, the corrupt government, the corrupt people in society, our neighbors. This is hope for all of humanity that you and I, that we were all once beggars. And someone named Jesus stopped so that we no longer needed to hold on to a cloak anymore. But we now get to ditch the cloak and follow Jesus. My challenge for you is ditch the cloak and come to Jesus. It's not a matter if Jesus is calling or not. No, Jesus straight up has already called. The question is, is will we come to him and ditch the cloak? The cloak is anything that's more valuable and more important to you than Jesus. It could be your job. It could be your promotion. It could be your houses or lack thereof. It is anything that's most valuable in your life. I love when grace meets wretchedness. I love when grace meets a sinner. Today we're going to end with a closing song. I'm sure you can probably guess it. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound. That saved a wretch like me. I was once lost, but now I'm found. Come on, this is the kicker. I was once blind, but now I see. That is the message of Jesus through and through. You're like, well, I'm not physically blind. No, but you know what it means to be spiritually blind, to not follow him, to not follow the Jesus way. But then... When Jesus stops, and now you can see again. Now you have new life again. And now the old, 
no longer compares because the old is gone and the new has come. Every head bowed, every eye closed across this room. If you're here this morning and you're lost, you need to be found. If you're here this morning, you're spiritually in a dark place, just know this. God came to you first and he stopped for you first. And that call still replies to you and I. Will you come to him? Will you give him your life? Will you follow him? He loves you so much. If you're here and saying, hey, I'm lost, but I need to be found. I'm dark, but I need his light. Would you just raise a hand wherever you are? No one looking around just saying, hey, that's me. It's so cool. His hand's going up everywhere. So awesome. The first step to being rescued is being heard. I want to lead you through a prayer. Let's just call it this. I want to lead you in an honest heart cry to Jesus. So all of us, our church, could you just repeat this with me? All of us, just say, Jesus, I'm blind and I want to see. I'm lost and you say I can be found. Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Help me to follow you the Jesus way all the days of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Church, can we clap for those who made a decision to follow Jesus today?